every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Cindy Knezovich, Senior Vice President of Brand and Communications at Salesloft, the leading sales engagement platform that helps sellers and sales teams drive more revenue. Cindy has spent the majority of her career in marketing leadership roles, growing and transforming sales as a service companies. She's overseen Salesloft's rebrand in 2021, as well as the highly successful relaunch of the company's website in 2020. On this episode, Cindy shares her insights into the power of brand and demand gen alignment, why customers are the most significant constituency, and the importance of brand consistency. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Sydney Knezovich and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by a special guest, Cindy, how are you? I am great. Thank you for having me today. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to chat about all things Salesloft, your career. We're going to talk about brand and comms as it relates to demand, which is a fun conversation. Are they at odds? Find out. Tell us a little bit about your role at Salesloft. Yeah, well, I have an extremely exciting role at Salesloft. It can be very challenging. I like to think of what I do as be the voice of the market to the company and be the voice of the company to the market. So that translates to kind of what you think of as traditional communications functions, social media, PR, analyst relations, all the way to the creative and graphics studio and customer marketing, community and global events from a brand experience perspective. So it's a big job. It's an exciting job, but no other job I'd rather have. Indeed. We've had the former CMO, Sydney Sloan, was on the show a while back. And the new CMO is our old pal, who's also been a guest, Lauren Vaccarello. So we got lots of sales loft love between DGV and sales loft. So it'll be a fun conversation. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we can go and feel honest and trusted. You can share those deepest, darkest marketing secrets. What does Sales Loft do and who are your customers? Our customers are the sellers and the sales teams of the world. And what Sales Loft does is make their lives easier and help them generate revenue faster. That's a very high level, easy way to think about it. If you wanted to get technical, it's a sales engagement platform that sits on top of a CRM system and integrates with all of your other systems that your sellers need to use. So they have one place they can go to get the insights they need, to get the coaching they need, to engage with their buyers and ultimately build and close their pipeline. And so that buyer persona, is that predominantly a chief revenue officer, VP of sales? What does the persona look like? And what does that buying committee look like? I'm glad you use the word committee because there's certainly more than one 
persona that we speak to, people who develop sales, SDRs, BDRs, who have to create pipeline, AEs who have to create, sometimes create an often closed pipeline, chief revenue officers, the heads of sales enablement or revenue operations who have to make sure that we're on track to close our pipeline and coach our people and make sure that they're getting everything they possibly can in their pipe and closed. All of those personas can benefit from SalesLoft. And so we're doing the best we can to make sure all of those people understand what's in it for them. I'm curious, for your organization, how does your marketing org look? Where does demand fit in relation to brand and comms where you own? Where do those separate and break down? Yeah, that's actually a great question. You mentioned Sydney and Lauren, my previous CMO and my current CMO, both of whom are powerhouses. Right now, we have three major teams under marketing. So product marketing, brand and comms, which is the team I serve, and demand gen. Where demand gen and brand work really well together? Well, there's several ways, actually. We collaborate a lot on campaigns. You know, what is the right message? What is the right creative? We collaborate a lot on the website. For example, the website lives under demand and digital. I sort of own the content and the content strategy and how we show up from messaging perspective. But my friends in demand gen look at things from a different lens, right? Are we optimized for the right search terms? Do we have the best possible user experience? Do we have those delineated paths through the site to what you were saying earlier based on persona, right? So we collaborate in a lot of ways. I will say that is one strength of SalesLoft is we're very collaborative, very collaborative culture. So even though we have racy frameworks and we know where our lanes are, we're actually able to reach across and help each other get to where we need to be. I love the term brand gen. Yeah. (laughs) Do, Do you ever use that? It's funny. To me, demand gen and brand are some of those terms like program and campaign. They mean something different depending on where you go. I've been at companies where programs were a much higher level thought than campaigns. I've been in companies where campaigns were a much higher level thought than a program. That's kind of how we operate here. Brand and demand is kind of similar. I think of brand as the air cover. Brand is who you are. Product marketing and demand gen is what you do, right? And so those two things work really, really well together when they're aligned. When they're not aligned, it can be pretty painful. I think that the reason why I like brand gen, I think about this a lot because of the way that we create podcasts at Caspian and how integrated these campaigns are and just how, especially with content now and incorporating like your customers into your content, customer stories or prospect stories, which is kind of this new form of content where your prospects are kind of, you're helping them tell their stories and you're co-creating things together. And that's like a lot of the podcast content stuff. All that stuff lives on your website, a lot of own channels, or it lives on third-party apps. And so you have this these two things happening at once where you're building relationships with people and co-creating with them, which leads to sales conversations. And it's creating that top level brand asset that is going to go far and wide, carry that brand message to tons and tons of people. That is what's so exciting to me about these new types of digital campaigns is that you can do them mixing all of this stuff together and it can kind of do both with digital and obviously leading back to the website. And, and so that's so funny that you work with them a bunch on your website because that kind of feels how modern campaigns are done, that you can have these brand campaigns that lead back to something and say, hey, it's not perfect attribution, but we know where this is going toward and what we're building right. toward. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And attribution, I wish we could find perfect attribution, but 
that might be the holy grail <laughs> of trying to get there. But what I like about what you said and something I think a lot about is campaigns aren't successful any longer talking to people. They have to talk with people, right? When you show up as a brand in your personality, you're inviting people into a conversation. It's a community, right? It's not a, I'm going to lecture you about what my product does. I saw a quote the other day that was about a company that made horse saddles. And they're like, we make saddles, but we don't sell saddles. We sell horseback riding. And it's it's a very similar mentality to this brand gen. I have a product that I want to sell, but I'm going to sell the lifestyle around it. I have a, a technology that's going to help sellers, but I want to sell why selling is a noble profession, why we can show up and be part of the solution for sellers versus just, hey, here, look at my software. Yeah. And especially when the community that you're selling to are salespeople who who have a, a variety of different types of needs, but they are both paying attention more because they're sellers themselves. And they're also paying attention a little bit less because they need right. to hit their numbers and everything else is kind of right. just noise. Yeah, exactly. Things Sydney pointed out to me was don't forget to provide value in every interaction. And I think that is even heightened more when you're selling to sellers or sales leaders I mean, we all think our time is valuable, but sellers and sales leaders, it's literally their time is money. And so that's a lesson I'll take forward with me is make sure whether they're interacting with a campaign, they're interacting with my website, they're showing up at a trade show and interacting with our people in our booth, every interaction should provide value, right? It's like the selling horseback riding instead of the saddle. If I can teach you how to be a better horseback rider, you're going to be more inclined to trust my opinion when it comes to what kind of saddle should you ride. Do you have a brand strategy or a playbook? Do you have something that you've like architected that you've created over the years in terms of brand and comms? Like, how do you think about it? Maybe where sales off went through a big rebrand about nine months ago. I am aware. And that, yeah, lots of green behind me and uh, my heart will forever bleed green to rebrand. That in and of itself is a big process. And you have to be very clear on your why. You have to be very clear on what good looks like. You have to really dedicate yourself and execute flawlessly when it comes to that launch. And with the help of a lot of people and a lot of agency support, we put together what I think is a pretty darn good rebrand playbook. When it comes to actually the brand strategy, this is one of the things I'm most excited about working with Lauren on. Just full transparency. Our company is growing really, really fast. And we did a lot of good work around that rebrand. And we have a lot of other priorities. And I personally, as the head of brand and comms, I want to think about what's next. You know, we got us to this point. We took a giant leap forward. Now it's time to sit back. We've been working with the brand for a while. Where do we need to tweak? How can we make sure it's showing up? How can we level up again? And then what comes next? And Lauren and I are already having some of these conversations, you know, just don't feel any constraints, like big blue ocean thinking, what should come next with our brand? How can we show up better for sellers and sales leaders? Yeah, there's two conversations about brand that that I love from this series. Chandar, the CMO of Koopa, he always says, paint the skies Koopa blue. And I yeah. love that thought. There's like everywhere you look that you're going to yep. see Koopa blue. And I always think of that as such a great brand reminder of like why brand awareness is so important. If you only are spending money, let's just say on Google AdWords, if that's the only place that people are ever seeing your brand, that they're not seeing it anywhere else. 
you're not really painting the sky and you want people to be reminded, especially like your core persona buyers all the time that you exist. And I think that that's something that people miss about brand is like that halo effect is so critical. 100% in agreement. You know, if you only did brand, you would struggle. And if you only did demand, you would struggle. Yeah. They really work together hand in hand. But at the end of the day, one of the things, just thinking about brand strategy, where we're going, sales loft is so special. It's not just what we do. Yeah, we've got software. And yes, the software has a crazy good ROI and it makes people a lot of money and a lot more value. It solves a lot of problems. But we're also an incredibly values-driven culture. We put our customers first. We go above and beyond for our customers. We're a very, very special place. And I like the paint the Koopa Blue, paint the sky Koopa Blue, because for us, it's kind of like green for money. (laughs) Our hearts bleed green because that to us symbolizes what is so special about Sales Loft. Yes, it's a hot category. Yes, the software is great. That isn't what makes us special. It's the what we do the going above and beyond, the making sure the customers get the outcomes they want, that's what makes us special. And it's, you know, so phase two, how will we infuse more of that in the brand? Because I don't want everybody, I don't want people to just know who we are. I want them to know why we're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the other one that someone said on the podcast, our buddy Scott Holden, CMO of ThoughtSpot, said that the CMO's job is to create your brand story and bring that to a variety of different channels. And I love the way of thinking about that because he kind of went on to talk about how you're looking for channels that provide opportunity for better storytelling and better narratives. So you have long form like podcasts or video or things like that, that can really get into the depth and the nuance of storytelling. You have super short form stuff, you have, you know, social clips, you have all that. But I love that idea of your job is to create the brand story and then get that story out everywhere. Yes, exactly. I learned a long time ago from a neuroscience professor, the human brain is wired for storytelling. It's why when you attend a pitch and they say the software does X, Y, Z, you kind of tune that out and you'll forget stuff. But they say, Hey, the CMO of Koopa was here and he told me paint the sky Koopa blue. And here's how we helped him. You're going to remember that. So it's telling the brand story and inviting your community into the brand story. So I tend to think of brand as a two-way conversation because yes, it's about who Sales Loft is and how we show up, but it's about how people experience us too. Yeah. It's about bringing them into it, right? It's going to be my next question. I was going to say, you know, a lot of people are saying that like CX is the new brand. And now you have your brand lives on message boards. It just lived in conversation. Now it lives on the internet. Right. It lives in G2. It lives in all these places. You see all of these different digital channels, which are just representing the word of mouth that's already happening, right? So the customer experience of your product is now, it is your brand, right? How do you think about that as someone who's in charge of the brand, thinking about customer experience? Oh, it's hugely important. The first thing I think about is consistency. There's the brand and there's the consistent application of the brand. And anytime a customer or a prospect interacts with our product, our website, our people download a piece of content, they might show up to a field event somewhere. They have to have a consistently awesome sales loft experience. And to your point about in the actual product, actually, one thing I think we did really well with our rebrand was we invited our product UX team to be part of the entire process. And so they could look at it from a certain lens 
so they could think about, is the customer going to get the best usability here? Is the customer going to get his or her needs met if the brand is applied this way to the product? And we want to invite people into our brand experience and the customers are our most important constituency. So I do think there's something to be said for this notion of customer experience is your brand. Let's go to the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. The playbook is where we open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable brand and comms budget items? I think the first one for me would be around customer and community marketing. And that is kind of funding our community efforts. Kyle, our CEO, always challenges us to make sure when we say community, we're not saying like, hey, we're launching a community. We've always had a community, right? Like big C community. But when I think about it from a budget or a tactical standpoint, it's how can we put together the mechanisms so our community can come together and learn and share and grow from each other. So I think that's exceedingly important in my budget. But I would say another one is I also own our global events. And so in other words, that's the big kind of branded experience events. Demand Gen owns our field events. And I think to me, part of that, I wouldn't say every single event we sponsor is uncuttable because at some point they probably are. I would say that our customer conference is uncuttable. And our co- our conference is coming back this year in person, Sales Love 22 in Austin in August. Don't miss it. And that is because it's all about our customers. Yes, certainly prospects are are welcome, but that's a way that we try to provide a really great experience, but also a lot of data and facts and science and tips and tricks to help our customers be the best sellers they can be. So that's something we do for our customers. And it's obviously a big brand, big way to get our brand out in front of our customers as well. That's fascinating. Two things. One, that brand owns field and you own the customer conference. I mean, it makes total sense, right? Field marketing is about driving pipeline in most cases. And the customer conference, it's an interesting take on that because I think to me, that feels more like customer ex- customer success, customer journey, which again, like, would you traditionally associate with that brand, with that with brand team? I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. not, so, I mean, yeah, of course, brands going to be involved in your customer conference, but not owning it. it seems a little unique. Right. No, traditionally, you're right. Traditionally, that isn't the way it would generally be thought of. And don't get me wrong, we measure the success of it in a lot of ways. You know, certainly we do measure all kinds of pipeline impact and how the ARR that we touch. But at the end of the day, we will consider ourselves successful if our customers rate us highly that they thought the experience and the content helps them be better sellers. Okay, third uncuttable. I say swag. I'll tell you this. Again, I've been around the block a time or two. There's a lot. When I came to SalesLoft, I have never seen a company with these young, cool, hip kids. I'm going to call them kids. They're young adults. (laughs) Clamoring for swag. Asking if they can buy it with their own money. Head to toe swag all the time. It's like nothing I've ever seen. In fact, that is one of my lessons that I learned that I think I did well or we did well with the rebrand was we knew we had to transfer the lofters love for the existing brand to the new brand. And so keeping them involved, kind of doing little teaser campaigns, sending great swag was part of that. I knew we had to do that for it to be successful. 
It's still that way now with the new brand. It's We had to launch a swag store. I can't tell you how many times a day I'm pinged like, hey, do you happen to have an extra hat? Where can I get a coffee mug? Thoughtful swag that your employees can use to rep the brand, I think is really, really important. And to send to customers, frankly. Customers love our swag too, which is great. Yeah. I mean, again, we spend so much time and effort on marketing and to drive word of mouth and to create things that people talk about. You can send something that your customer is going to physically wear on their body when they're walking around. It's like, why are we not doing this? The dirty secret is like, if you give anyone a super soft t-shirt, they're going to wear it. Like it's a guarantee. If it fits and it's soft, like people are going to wear. I have so much swag. Like my my wife always like, who, what are all these companies? I've been to a lot of conferences, get a bunch of stuff from the podcast. People send us stuff. It's all the time. I have put some serious impressions out there wearing swag of all kinds. I, I think it's like criminally underinvested. Yeah. And you're right. Everyone will wear a soft t-shirt. I, in past lives, I can't tell you. It was like pulling teeth to get people to wear our swag at a conference, just like a polo shirt or a t-shirt or something. At Sales Loft, they're so clamoring for it. It's amazing. When you can turn your customers into a walking billboard, that's great. But it also, again, has to be a good brand. It has to be a good looking brand. It has to be something that looks not cheap. And I think people are just like extremely uncreative about how they think about this stuff. I've always said for the podcast that we create, we're creating like little mini brands. And this sort of idea of like, would you wear the t-shirt? So we've, I've talked about this on the show before. Back in the day, we just created a bunch of marketing puns and put them on t-shirts. We just put like a bunch of marketing puns on them and then the name of the podcast on the back. And I went to a few different conferences and like, seriously, I had a hundred people come up to me at different times throughout the conference that are like, where did you get that shirt? All you need to do is just like, go find a meme Put it on a t-shirt, <laughs> put your company logo on the back and like, go give it away. I guarantee like if they're inside jokes for the people of your community, like they're going to wear it. It's a guarantee. Yeah. Anything with humor, anything with humor is great. One of our best selling shirts on our swag store says sales nerd. And I can't tell you how many, it's always the first one to go at the conferences. It's great, but it's also being creative with it. A really solid umbrella, a really good charger brick those work every time, right? Because who doesn't need that? Who doesn't need an extra charger brick to throw in their laptop bag or their backpack? Another one that's like the obvious thing, but stickers to me, like laptop stickers, it's like, what does that sticker cost? A dollar? You know, it costs whatever, a hundred dollars to make like a thousand of these things. And when you put it with something, just like throw it in there. Like, why not? Yeah, exactly. And make it a good one. Like you said, with the sales nerd, but this is, I think, one of the core things about brand that I think people miss with community is that it's always about people try to control the community or they try to be very like top down, which is Mm -hmm. not really the way that to run a community. It's the equivalent to social media, having your company post a hundred times a day, for example, rather than commenting a hundred times right? It's the same sort of thing. Like you want to inject yourself in the conversation, prod different parts of the community to get different types of answers or questions or things like that. People want to just like control it and be like, this is how the thing is going to be. And the community has a name already, right? And like sales nerd is a perfect example of like how many people identify themselves as a sales nerd first, right? Like make the stickers of the what the community calls themselves or the name that you have for your community rather than just like 
our name. I feel like people kind of miss that. You're right, though. It is something I think when it comes to stuff like community, it's our job to to put support mechanisms in place and to facilitate the community to get together, to learn, to share. But it's not our place to dictate that. Like we're, we're never going to be able to, to your point, the best communities are ground up. And certainly we want to do what we can to facilitate it. But we can't, we're not going to come in and go, thou shalt refer to thyself as, yeah. boom, <laughs> here's the stamp. It just doesn't work like that. I mean, the whole point of community is that it's user driven. Do you have a favorite brand campaign that you've done? I was particularly partial to our awareness campaign that we did right after the brand launch. And it was about the new way to sell. I really liked it because I, I think it encapsulates what we're about. We're about doing things in a new way. It's a new day. Gone are the days of kind of your hero solo rep. Now we're into the days of team selling, right? Gone are the days of just blindly fishing in a pond if you don't know it's stocked. Now you can use data to leverage um, insights. And so you, you can get the most use out of your time. So there's a new way to forecast. There's a new way to coach. There's a new way to close. So I, I'm particularly partial to that one. We're working on kind of the next evolution of it because I certainly don't think it, it, it still has some more legs, but you know, as a lot of campaigns do, it needs to be refreshed from time to time. But yeah, that that's one of my favorites. Biggest learning experience from a brand campaign. Oh, I can tell you that one without hesitation. <laughs> the biggest mistake I think we made during our rebrand was, and it led to the campaign, which is why I think it's appropriate for this question, was we did not fully flesh out our platform messaging and positioning when we launched. So I really believe we should have done kind of a more thorough platform messaging positioning before the brand, not alongside the brand. So it kind of informed how we came out of it. It was one of those kind of lessons I'll take with me. It's just so important that you understand. So we launched the Modern Revenue Workspace as our kind of platform name, but didn't really do an effective job of defining that and what that means. So it's we're sales loft. We're talking about a new way to sell with the Modern Revenue Workspace, everything sellers need in one place to, do the, to get the coaching they need and the insights they need, all their buyer engagement and to win. But what does that actually mean? That's a very high level message. And we're developing it now where we actually have a lot of good work being done on that. But that for me, looking back, was a big mistake. How do you think about making big bets as it relates to brand? Like brand is very much like a portfolio approach. I think all marketing is a portfolio approach, but brand, you get those like, man, eh, we could swing big. Maybe it works. Some of these things, like there's inherently a lot more risk. Right. So curious, how do you think about making brand bets? I am a big fan of creative and new things. I tend to have a bias towards let's try it. You know, certainly if there's a way to make a similar small bet, prove it out before you make the big bet. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. To your point, brand can be, especially from an awareness perspective, very difficult to measure and very difficult to put an ROI on. I can say, OK, well, I bought this billboard and 14 million people saw it. Did 14 million people really see it? And are they the right 14 million people? So it can be very hard to measure. But I tend to think if it's a big, creative, new idea, why not try it? You know, we'll learn something in the process. And just something that's new, something that hasn't been done before or something creative. Is there a way to be interactive, right? Like, is there a way to do something more eye-catching or viral or 
interactive where, again, sometimes awareness feels like it's preaching at you. It's trying to get your attention to say, hey, here I am. But is there a way to to do it where it's like inviting you in instead of lecturing at you? you I love that. And I think that so much of brand, I think that the reason why brand is so fuzzy and nebulous as a concept and as a role is because so many people who are not in marketing think brand means advertising. It means like straight billboards, TV spots, things like that. I agree. Try something that hasn't been done before. I totally agree. And if you and if it doesn't work, you know, it didn't work. But if it does work, you know, right. you can hit a moonshot. Well, we definitely have all run into that in our career where people think brand equals logo or brand equals color palette and typography, but it doesn't. Brand is ultimately who you are. And I think it's been a particular challenge for B2B companies. I think only recently in the last few years have I really seen a lot of B2B or B2B SaaS, kind of where where we sit, really embrace brand. And frankly, when we were doing our rebrand, one of the most interesting parts of that project was looking to the consumer world for inspiration. Because we didn't want to look like just another tech company that's blue or purple and sans serif, fat, heavy-weighted font. Like we just, the consumer world is where the brand people have a lot of fun. So it was important for us to look in that direction. And the people who do that best are also the ones who tell you, yeah, we show up a certain way and you'll see our physical brand and that'll evoke emotions in you. And that's important, but that's not all it is. Let's get to our final segment, quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how quickly you can talk to somebody from Qualified. If you go to their website, go to qualified.com. They're the best. We love Qualified, and they've been with us since the very first episode of the show. They're awesome. Prospects can talk to you quickly on your website if you have Qualified. Quick and easy, just like these questions, go to Qualified.com to learn more. Cindy, are you ready? I am as ready as I'll ever be. Number one, do you have a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? Yes. <laughs> Would you like to know what it is? <laughs> I can tell you two. One is I can, <laughs> I can actually write calligraphy. I learned how to do that in high school. And I'm also actually what I would call an amateur genealogist. I've done a lot of work on our family tree and I have over 3000 names on it. So that is another skill I have that I, that you will not find on my LinkedIn profile. (laughs) Fantastic. Do you have a favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you love that you've checked out recently? Yes. I love masters of scale with Reed Hoffman. If you haven't listened to that, listen to that. He, Obviously, for those who don't know, he's the founder of LinkedIn and he's at Greylock now. And he has a really great format to his podcast where he puts his leadership theories to the test and talks to a lot of his famous Silicon Valley friends who can prove out those theories. And it's it's really interesting learning about how to scale. I love that. One of my faves as well. What would be your best advice for a first time head of brand or SVP of brand and comms, as you are, who's trying to yeah. figure out their brand strategy? I'd say do more listening than talking. That's the first thing I'd say. Remember that brand is an emotional thing and people have emotional attachments to them, to the brand. And they also have emotional reactions to a brand and you could move their cheese (laughs) if you think about changing things. So yeah, just remembering that it's priceless 
you know, it's a priceless thing. And if a company is going to entrust you with their brand, you need to take that as the honor and privilege it is. Any final thoughts? Obviously, our listeners should go to salesloft.com to check out all the cool stuff that you got going on. New brand, if you haven't checked it out already. Maybe give a nudge to your SVP of sales. Say, hey, have you checked out Salesloft? And the conference coming up. What else? I appreciate that. Yeah, everybody should go to salesloft.com and check out what we're up to. We can help all sellers and salespeople and sales teams exceed their goals. But thanks for the time. I always love talking brand too. You know, the other thing I would say about Salesloft is we're growing like leaps and bounds. So if there's anybody out there who's looking for a new role in an exciting values-driven company, come check us out. I love it. Thanks again, Cindy. Thanks, Ian. The Mangen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more. 